This episode of The Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by Concept2 and the Concept2 Skierg. Concept2 is the designer and manufacturer of the Skierg, a training tool for Nordic skiing and for general fitness. Located in north central Vermont, the Concept2 family rose in summer and skis in winter. The Skierg grew out of the time-tested design of the Concept2 rowing machine. As dedicated skiers, we know this much is true. It's not always easy to get out on the snow in winter, or out on the roller skis, for that matter, in summer. The Skierg is a perfect dry land training option for skiers, or anybody really, looking to improve their fitness. The second generation Skierg allows for single stick and double pulling. Take your skiing and upper body conditioning to a new level with a Skierg. You can find more information about Skiergs and their PM5 performance monitors at concept2.com. Henry's done it. For sure, Marit's done it. Terez, Terez did it. Yeah, yeah. This championship. And, and that's like, like, who else? Valbe, who else Valbe, did it? Valbe. Four gold? Four gold? Yeah, I think, in the championship? I think, dude, I think yeah. Valbe had five gold in the championship. I think she won everything. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'm yeah. gonna go check it out. I'm checking. I'm checking biographies because because yeah. uh, four five gold in a single championship. I think Velbe. I think Velbe had. I like. I think Velbe had five golds in a single championship. Okay, so I'm interjecting here, but you guys are just going through like historic championships here for individuals. Hey, Jason, we're <laughs> we're just talking shit. We can we can get things going. But what a! I'm pretty sure Velbe did. Check that out. Sprinting. Like Amara you know, had five in Lati though. Yeah. Oh, no, no, four. Just four. Not Shit, four. just four. Yeah. Like, people who, who has four gold. Marit's done it, like, at least three times at the World Championship, <laughs> which is insane. Yeah. We're yeah, counting Mar- relays in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Chang, she only had, she had only, only had two gold. Yeah. But you got to so. look at, like, Mara Birgen has 18 World Championship gold medals. So yeah. you're going to so you're gonna have a lot of championships with four gold. But you have... And eight, eight Olympic gold. Yeah. But you saw how much it meant to Teresa winning that fourth gold medal. Like you said, yeah. it's, you're in like a, there's, you're in rarefied air when you win four oh, yeah. gold medals at yeah. one championship. Yeah. Yeah. So no, oh. I'm, I was, yeah, that was impressive. I liked yesterday where we just rolled right in. I didn't do like a formal intro. We have Alex Harvey here. Welcome again. Thank you. You, you like you should be like if, if we could have you you're kind of like i don't know if anyone out there listens to the ring who is that is that what's his name bill simmons it's not patrick dempsey no no bill simmons he's like um so he has like he's a sports journalist and like he calls like he calls like uncle sal like it was just like or like cousin sal which is just like his cousin that just loves talking about sports and sports betting and stuff like essentially <laughs> Alex would be the Bill Simmons and I'm cousin Sal. Cause like Alex is the one that has like the world championship gold in the 50 K and I'm just some mope. But anyway, we're, um, we'll jump right in. We have Alex with us, which is awesome. And he won the world championships in 2017, which was one of the most beautiful performances I've ever witnessed. And of course the, be- the biggest day in men's cross country ski history for Canada. And, and I, before we get right into the podcast, like, cause this is what we were talking about before you jumped on, uh, before you jumped on, uh, Jason is like, the reality is the 50K at the World Championships or the Olympics is the biggest race in skiing. Oh, like, yeah. I, you know, like I like to be nice sometimes and say like, you know, like a sprint gold medal matters just as much or this. It's like, you know what? This was 97 years. It's been 97 years of international skiing because the first Olympic Games was in 1924 and there was a 50K in 1924. The men's 50K for the men's field, I'm sorry, it's the biggest gold you can win. It's the biggest race you can win. And yeah, I, I, I like to harp on Alex a little bit that it, that he couldn't win it as an individual start because like Fist moved and made it made it a mass start. It was a bit more impressive when you had to do it alone, yeah. but like it's still impressive. But like, so when we'll get into this, because everyone's just waiting for what we're going to spend 80% of this podcast talking about the Claybo incident. But the fact of the matter is for Claybo to win a 50K at the world championships or Olympics, this, this is, you know, aside from his probably Olympic gold medal in the sprint, this is probably the biggest thing in his career. Like, like for him, I mean, or bigger, but, but I mean, winning the Olympic, he, there was so much pressure on him in Pyeongchang to win that sprint. And he was so young, but, 
anyways, it was a huge day for Claybo and it ended in like disaster. And the funny thing is, it's like Trump's election. Like it just like, it's just, like not Trump's election, Biden's election. Like we have to wait forever to see like um, the, the, this becomes like official because there could be appeals and all the rest. But before we jump into that, we have Alex, 50K Classic, Mass Start, ends the World Championships. What a World Championships it's been. We'll kind of run through the race pretty quickly so that we can just talk shit about what happened at yeah. the end. <laughs> Um, but Alex, like, talk about the 50K. You said it was, like, super exciting. I agree with you. But, like, why did you think it was exciting today? Aside from the end, which was, like, yeah. of course, the climax of the whole yeah. thing. Well, I, I thought the 50 was exciting just because with, with a lap to go, there was still four or five nations left in the running for the medal. So I thought that was exciting. But even earlier in the race, you saw different strategies for ski exchange. So Niskanen changed a lap uh, ahead of, like, some of the big guns like Bolshunov and, and uh, Emil Everson. So I think we just... Evo and Klebo who, who switched like from like let's say the top favorites, uh, so they had to chase on that next lap to come back. They did. Then the, at the end of that lap, Bolshinov switched, Emil, a bunch of guys. So then it was Evo at the front. So guys had to come back, and you never know in a fifty, pretty You never know when the wheels are going to fall off, when people are going to start cramp. So. Today, the guys were able to do the push to close the gap, but you never know. Like when, when you're watching it in the moment, you're like, ooh, like is Bolshinov going to be able to close that gap or Emil or Evo? Like, but they all did. But still in the moment, I thought it was, was really exciting. So, yeah, I thought it was a, and you know how brutal that course is. The last 2.5 kilometer of that course is like a huge, huge, huge uphill, then technical downhill to the finish. So I thought, you know, they, I thought it was exciting. Yeah, no, me too. And I totally agree. Like, I thought it was just crazy cool to see the hurt on people's faces too. Like, it looked like Niskanen, poor guy, like, he had some slower skis compared to the guys he was skiing against. I think that was, like, super noticeable. But he, like, yeah. he hung on there for, like, longer than he thought he could with skis that weren't looking that fast. And like you said, yeah, for sure, the ski exchanges did make things exciting. I even thought Bolshinov looked like he was, like on fumes at moments of that race the only guys of the whole race that i thought looked like total bosses from start to finish was everson and claybo like they just I looked on yeah. they just looked totally unstoppable all day but everybody else in that field hole in two didn't look that great all the time which i thought he would okay so i have a question for you guys um like what when we see athletes swapping out skis on a classic race in a 50k right and think kind of contextually like what was going on with today's weather. It was warmer. It snowed yesterday. I think it snowed yesterday. Uh, two right. days ago. Okay, two days ago. So when there are skis for an athlete to change over to, how are they prepped? You know, is it maybe a similar identical pair of skis? Do they prep one? You know, if you have a couple of pair in there, one that's slightly warmer, one that, you know, how does that usually go in a race like today does that question make sense yeah it makes sense i think i think it depends always on the race uh the thing is you're going to test your skis the morning of the race and usually you're going to come up with with the top two so this is the top two that you're, you're going to use in the race but that's under like normal circumstances and you know how long a 50k takes it's about two hours so the weather can change during that two hour period so once the athlete has started then the technicians are going to keep testing the wax but also the skis to see if as the weather warms up or as the track gets softer, if, if a different pair of ski gets better than the pair that's unused by the athlete at the moment. And I don't know if you noticed, but in the, the women's 30K, I noticed that when Yohag came to the pit, she actually had two pair of skis there in the pit. So my I'm assuming that one pair was a bit more grippy and one pair maybe a bit slicker and faster. And she was probably told ahead of time, I, I, I assume... Uh, to, to pick what, what she what she felt like, and at that time I think she had two minute gap already. <laughs> uh, but but you, you you so I've never had that in my life in a, in a ski exchange. Like I never had to choose the ski that I picked. It was just the second best pair or the best pair, depending on which pair I was. And you just alternate like that. Usually you're going to come up with a plan the day before. Uh, but at the same time you have to adjust that plan during the race because if if you want to switch and your skis are not so bad, but nobody else is switching you're probably going to wait another lap because you don't want to lose the group. Uh, but if, again, if early in the race you have bad skis, no grip or too slow, you're going to take a shot and and, uh, and switch your skis. So, uh, But I think that the tech have a lot of work and, and hard, stressful decisions to make as the race goes on because the wax, uh, you have to adjust the wax and sometimes you'll have to 
to pick a ski that the athletes won't even have skied on before the race just because the the track will have changed so much and the other thing too is like as exciting as it was today and it was exciting we're forgetting that like the first 30k was kind of a snooze fest like a lot of 50k mass starts are they're not going that first five laps of that race four laps or I, I'd say five laps of that race. Yeah. The first 30K, guys are walking. So questions getting out there to all those top athletes. How are the skis? How is it going? You're giving a bit of information. It's like, oh, my skis are a little slick or I'm, I'm, they're too slow or whatever. There is information because like, yeah, you're racing for sure. And you're, you're probably at like 85% of your max heart rate or something. They know what's going on. The technicians know what's going on. So there is a two-way street communication. The last three laps of that race today, there's no communication happening. Like okay. then it's then it's on for real and people are racing like, yeah, they're going for broke. And then you saw it. Like, I mean, we can get to that, but I mean, you, you saw when the race started ticking up, I mean, like Emily Everson started taking some serious <laughs> digs late in that oh, race yeah. and like str stringing that out, uh, like crazy. So it was, uh, it was definitely, uh, definitely impressive to see, but yeah, no, the ski changes do make it kind of interesting. I remember when they first came into, it. I mean, Alex, the first time we did a ski change, like being able, or we're allowed to change skis in the 50, that was, that was the Vancouver, I think Vancouver Olympics. Not Trondheim, the on the World Cup. I think oh, that's true. The, the year first before. time with the, the year, year before. before that's the true. Games, that's the true. That, thank God. Thank God. Because <laughs> like, without yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Good point. Yeah, the the Trondheim World Cup, which um, which was like the home and colon of that year because they were renovating the home and colon stadium to get ready for the 2011 World Championships. Yeah, you're right. That was the first race we could change skis, and it's a difference maker in classic. It's like oh, yeah. you got it. You got to change skis in classic. Clister gets oh, too. Yeah. Like you can't go 50 K on one pair of classic skis. If other people around you are changing skis, you're going to lose minutes. The interesting thing about the ski exchange is that it evolved uh, throughout the years since they introduced it in 2009. I think the first time they did, it was basically like an open bar. You could switch skis as many times as you wish. Yeah. Um, and, and you didn't really have to do any like sort of penalty loop. You would just go in and unclip your skis and clip new ones. You use about 10 seconds or, uh, give or take now there's a little penalty loop it's about it's almost 20 seconds you lose and you're limited to two exchange for the men's so so that that has evolved a little bit too since since 2009 i'm curious you like thinking of bolshenov thinking of niskanen a little bit and ski exchanges here uh i think this is true in 2018 when it was niskanen and bolshenov off the front in the olympic 50k classic i think bolshenov did not swap skis for the last lap, I, yeah. yeah. He and did was, once. Oh, he did once. Okay. About 20K of that race was, like Devin said, fairly easy. And then I'm sure Evo had a strategy in his head that after the first key exchange, he would just drill it. And that's what he did. And that's when the, the, the big break happened. Mm -hmm. uh, but then Boshinov didn't exchange mm -hmm. keys for a second time while right. Niskanen did. And then the rest is history. Okay. Just kind of thinking about that today when this was all going down. Carry on. Sorry. I think, no, I thought, I thought it was really fun. Like Alex was saying a little earlier that like there was a lot of nations represented once the race got going the last three laps. Like there was still like a lot of nations in there. Evo, you had Bolshinov, you had like, like Musgrave hung tough for a 50 K classic Berman. on a tough course. Berman had an awesome race too. Like really, yeah, really yeah. awesome race for Sweden. Um, he was right up in there. Uh, of course you had the four Norwegians and then, um, and then uh, Bolshinov in there oh. as well. But, and Paul, sorry, five Norwegians. But the, yeah. the, the fact of the matter is there was a lot of moving parts and I thought it was really awesome race of Scott Patterson too. I mean, like he, he tied his best uh, championship result within 11th place today, Scott Patterson, which, which is like we said, he's a real like blue collar grinder. Like we've talked about a lot out of Alaska. Doesn't say much, just works his ass off and has a incredible capacity. And like he hung really tough and like he really only lost contact there right in the closing yeah, on that last lap, a little before that, like things started to come undone. But it, but eleventh place at the World Championships in a brutal course and a hard conditions too. They were soft. It's not easy. I think that's a great great race for Scott Patterson and what a what a great World Championship Scott had. And one thing I want to say on Scott is like his capacity is amazing. When I say capacity, I'm talking about like his VO2 max and his is actually like physiology. Obviously, you can't ski at that level with with bad physiology. But like technically speaking what I think is most exciting about Scott is like watching that race. And Alex and I were talking a little about, about that before we, before we started taping or anything. Like it's amazing that Scott is skiing up with those guys late in the race. When you see technically speaking, like he has a lot of, he has a lot of gains to make technically in classic, I think. Uh, and that's free. Those are free seconds. If he just like 
puts the work in technically to get it, get a better hip position, not sit so much and you'll save energy too. And I think that's what I was noticing big time, especially with like Claybo and Everson skiing really well, technically. You want to talk about that a bit of Harv? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could see there were some nice shots of like four or five, six guys skiing, like kind of shots taking from the side where you can see all the beauty of classic skiing, all those little extra inches or extra centimeters you can get at the beginning and the, and the end of each push. And, and I really, like you said, I think Emil and, and Claybo just technically you could tell that they were more comfortable today. Uh, it wasn't as hard as for them as, as anybody else around them to just ski that speed. And the technique was so relaxed. Shoulders were low, uh, <clears throat> just like really stable upper body. And just like all the little angles, the little um, extra, yeah, extra inches, extra centimeters you can go cover on the track each push. They, they were able to, to do that and, and it showed at the end of the race. Hey, here's a question because I know you guys spoke about this up front and I think we caught this on tape. I'm not sure. Um, but talking about, you know, obviously Claybo is, you know, Devin, you've said as much, the best sprinter who's ever lived. And it's no, and it's no question. So here he is winning. Well, okay, he didn't win. He gets DQ'd. But right, I'm going to be, he, he technically, seemingly, <laughs> my first draft of my story, he won. Right. So that gets augmented a bit. It's a 50K. But he he has had distance chops. You and I spoke about this, I don't know, a week or two ago where he won that 30K skiathlon in Lillehammer when he was younger. Yeah, it was great where he passed Sunby. But like, what's the what's the last like major big time distance race Claybo has won? You know what? The last major big time distance race. And when I say distance, I'm going to go 30 and above. That was that race in Lillehammer years ago. He's had yeah, great 15K one, mass yeah. starts and individual yeah. starts. Really good. And yeah. the 15K distance, he's never done anything since that beastly race he had to to pull in Sunby and then torture him in the sprint course of, of Lillehammer. Uh, that's the best distance race he's ever done. Like in, in 30 or 50 Ks, he's never been good in a 50 K ever. And this, no, was, no. and this was a huge goal of his man. Like really big goal is this 50 K classic. He is a stronger classic skier in distance. No question. Not, it's not even a, a question there. And, and this 50 K, this was something that they really targeted and he came in hungry. And I, like I said, the way he skied for all 50k of that race technically is I've never seen him so good. It was it was amazing. I was I was texting Kirsch as as Claybo crossed the line. I was like, Claybo is a man now. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. medaled in a in a distance event uh, at a championship. So so that was that was his first. And I looked up his result, and you're right. Uh, the the last time he medaled in something longer than 20, than 15k was that that skiathlon in Lillehammer, and that was. December 2017. So. You know, I'm curious, Alex, it looks like you have a, a watch on that might uh, collect heart rate information. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm curious, like when you think about a guy like Claybo, he has capacity to sprint. He's got capacity to obviously do a 30K or a 50K. Um, thinking about yourself and your metrics, when you won that 50K in Lati, what, what did your data show? you know, post-race, when you start looking at like how hard you were going once that race ticked up and, and you know, at what level you were able to sustain? Um, did well, you, the first yeah. thing is I never wore a, a watch in actual races. I did in time trials to, to get all that data and try to analyze the time trials because it was just training. But in an actual like a World Cup or a World Championship or the Olympics, I, I've never wore a watch or I never recorded any data like in actual races. But what I can tell you is that for the most part, that 50K in, in Lati, I felt basically no, like I was never outside of zone level three until maybe 2K to go when, when Sunby put in like pretty big surge and we were able to open a little gap on on his Tugov and, and third and on basically the two of us kind of opened like a five meter gap on a pretty sh like short uphill. Uh, so until then, I never, I never redlined it. So, but that's, that's kind of what happens when you, w when you win a, a disc, like a long mass start like that, usually you're, you will have been like fairly in control and within your limits for, for most, most of the race. And, and the longer the race, the longer the races, I think the more, uh, evident it is because because you because you just when you're at a level like that like ahead above everybody else uh you're kind of in control for for most of the day so so yeah. that was that for me and i remember like hearing or reading about like 
when Osgard won the won the Olympics in in Lillehammer, like I think it was the 30k skate or something like that individual start, he said like he didn't think his lactate went above three the whole race, and he won by a long time. So when you're in a long race like that, you and you're really fit, like it's because you're skiing with other guys around you, you're just following, and sometimes it's almost easy. Yeah, and the other thing too, I want to say like to build on that, like like think about like if there's people that like marathon running. And, and and watch like elite level marathoning it's like running economy has so much to say with that too so like in, in alex's when you're having a great day like his skiing economy alex's technique is like perfect for that day his physiology is perfect and the crazy thing is is like what differentiates alex's 50k in, in 2017 or claybo's 50k today really when you see it it's pretty evident is like their velocity at threshold is just a notch higher than everyone else. So okay. you're, 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 you're Petter, Petter Nortuck, he's won three world championships, 50Ks plus the Olympic, like he's the king of the 50K. And the reality was, is he could go at a velocity at threshold, theoretical threshold, where you're not building a lactate, you're not building lactate through your body that's just impossible to clear. Uh, on those days, you're just at a level where like, you're right, you're, you're flirting with that, that level but everyone else is going up a little over it then a little down recovering a little bit little over little down and then over 50k you can't do that and it just starts building 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 and then you see then you see who's really got it in the end in those big sprints or like the last kilometer now especially in the men's when people are just like hop skating like alex was in in, in Lottie or or you see how the boys were skiing now today that the group that was away the four norwegians and bullshit off in the in the closing kilometers of that race, like they're, they're moving at an incredible rate. You're like, how is this possible? But it's possible because their velocity at threshold is just like, it's unparalleled. They're having an amazing day. What can, and, their, and their capacity is at a level, you know, like everybody's blowing like over five and they're go to max, let's say like they're, they're at an incredibly high level. You just totally answered a question I didn't, I was like about to ask. So I appreciate it for like reading my mind there. There's obviously a lot to be debated uh, in this final. And I guess I would like for you guys to kind of just talk a little bit about before we get into the actual incident, maybe talk a little bit about just as they top out on that last climb and what happened, what did you guys see tactically? Sure. And I can, I can start with that. And before we do, I just want to like, I'll just run through the whole 50 K. There was some notable performances. We yeah. talked about Scott Patterson. That was great. Antoine Sear, first time at oh, world, yeah. cha world championships. He's 22 out of Quebec. Tony 28th in the 50 K super solid racing by him. Russie. Like Russell Kennedy comes 29th in a classic race yeah. for 50K on that hard course after having an ear infection. He was on antibiotics earlier, earlier in the earlier in the championship. And I think that, that was like that was that was a wonderful performance by Rossi. And like, you know, Remy's had a really tough year and he just hasn't been able to lift his level. And today was no different, but it was the best race of his season. He was 31st in the end, or maybe he's 32nd next week. But right now on the results page, he's 31st, the best race of his career, of, of, not of his career, but of his, of his season. Um, and it's been a season that's been tough on Remy. So I thought it was a good, good showing of, uh, of the dudes uh, for, for Canada. I just wanted to touch on that. And aside from that, of course, like we talked about um, Bergman had like, like, Berman had a good race. There was like, there was a couple of guys in the field that I thought like were skiing pretty solid. Like even Dario actually for a lot of the yeah, race looked yeah. pretty good uh, in classic. He's struggled with injuries in his calf for a long time. So like he, he just hasn't been that great. And, but in the end, when you're coming in the closing kilometers, we're all getting so sick and goddamn tired of seeing like four Norwegian suits in Bolshenov. But the fact of the matter is the, the Norwegian team, has never been stronger for the men's side in the history of, of skiing. And that's saying something because there's a lot of huge names in Norwegian ski history, but they've never had, a, a, they've, they've never been this strong as a team ever. And coming into the closing kilometers, when you're seeing the four big boys, uh, I'll let Alex talk a little bit about the tactics coming into the sprint hill, but because we've talked about it ad nauseum, him and I, but so Alex can take over, but, but that shouldn't have been a surprise for anybody watching the race. The, the guys that were in the final there were the guys that, that, barring some disaster were the ones you should have said i'd say the biggest person that surprised me was that claybo was there honestly and yeah. looking so and looking so good but, but the rest of the guys like if you didn't think holland would be there and you didn't think uh, emma leverson would be there and you didn't think bolshenov would be there and even kruger he has two silver medals coming into this race then you haven't you, you just haven't been watching the world championships this year and yeah, no, i agree and what, what was interesting is to 
is the way the different ways Claybo can win. And now I know he was disqualified, so technically he, he didn't win. But the way he can cross a finish line first, you saw in the sprint he came over in second, the cresting second over the top of the hill, but kind of trying to be first over the top of the hill. Like he was, it's just that Valness was faster. And today, I think if he wanted to pass Bolshuno, I think he probably could have in, in his run, but he chose to come to crest over the top of the hill in second place knowing that the conditions were faster today. So the slingshot effect would be quite big today. Uh, and so that was his tactic. And, and then in the relay a couple of days ago, he wanted to be first because he knew that downhill was going to be so soft and you never know following somebody if you're going to get tangled up with them or in, in the corner. So, so I think it's interesting to see the different ways Claybo can, can kind of crest over a hill and, and choose what's the most efficient way to cross that line in first given different... Uh, track condition so i think today for him the call was to in his mind the best position uh was to come second over the top of the hill and he did and he did the same he cornered the same way as he did in the sprint exiting really wide to try to generate some speed but uh, i think bolshuna was a student of, of the sprint he saw how Klebo did that in quarters the semi in the final coming around valness every single time on the outside and generating that speed so so bolshuna did Tech was textbook perfect. He, he closed the door. Uh, he kind of drifted wide to the right, uh, knowing that Clayball was going to come to his right. And and I and I think I really think Bolshunov was hundred percent in his right to do that. He was in the front. He can choose his lane. He chose the outside lane, knowing that Clayball was probably going to go for that. And sadly for him, Clayball was just coming so fast that he was kind of able to go in between the V boards and and Bolshunov, and they kind of. Klebo hit, hit Bolshinov's pole and then Bolshinov planted that pole in between his leg. Magically, those two guys stayed on their feet. I mean, when you look at the slow-mo, oh, yeah. Bolshinov not crashing is crazy. Klebo not crashing? Oh, yeah. Like, what? How? That was insane. Um, but but again, I think Klebo had a, a game plan in his head that he was going to come over that hill in second and he executed that perfectly. Of course, now he's disqualified. We'll see We'll see what happened next. And, and Emil, man, like, I want to say something about Emil Everson. Like in this household, the Harvey household, like Emil, we're really big fans of Emil Everson for, for very different reasons. My wife really likes looking at his Instagram and when he's not wearing a t-shirt, she thinks it's pretty impressive. Um, <laughs> I think Emil Everson is just like a total beauty. He's like a real, like a real baller. And, and he's had such success, so much success on the world cup. on very different venues. He's won the sprint, like, in one of the most impressive way here, well, not here, but in Obersdorf, like from the front, coming in the front in that really high-speed downhill, but knowing that nobody was going to catch him, that was his first World Cup victory. Then Tour of Canada, like when he won in Montreal, like that brutal, oh, yeah. like 20K mass start, he, he dropped everybody, he dropped Ustugov, that was maybe at the peak of his career, Northug. Uh, then when he won in, in, in Falun, that 30K classic mass start, just like outgunning Sunday, like opening such a big gap. But he was never able to really do it at the championship. Yes, he has two gold from Seyfeld, but skiing first leg in a team sprint, that tactical and leaving it to Claybo, and kind of the same thing in the relay, the 4 by 10 he skied the first leg and the group stayed together. It's a gold medal, but it's, you know, there was a lot of other guys who did the work for him. But here, this championship, like the way he closed the gap to, to Russia in the in the relay doing the oh, second leg which is like that was amazing second, th second and third leg in relays are like the hardest leg like you have to go really fast and he was in a tough position man he had to close first first close the gap on niskanen and then stay with niskanen come back on russia and then drop like attack up that last hill and then that being world champion today like it's amazing and and emil everson he like i said he's had success on the world cup but i think the last two years he changed what he does outside of skiing he's a Big really time. fun guy to hang out like i've had some some fun nights with him oh, yeah. and he's he's a beauty but i think he changed the the what he did outside training and he's like he's not the hardest working guy in training but i think he's the smartest working guy in training we've had the chance to to train with him at camps and he's going to get dropped on easy workouts when he thinks the other guys are probably not going easy enough like he doesn't care he's not going to stay with sandy and kruger and holen even in threshold sessions, like he's going to do what's right for him. And he's just going to like, he sticks to his plan, sticks to his gun and putting his life outside of skiing a bit more and like staying, like being a 
24 hours a day athlete. I think it brought him to the level that he's he showed the last two years. And so I'm, I'm really happy for him. I had, had some good times with him. He's, he's a guy that you want to organize the, uh, any night in Norway. You, you call him, he's going to organize everything for you. We can, we can ask Noah Hoffman about that. He's going to oh, have yeah. good stories, but really, really uh, happy for Hamill. And uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, he, 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 and he, he kind of, he was not probably not performing at the level he wanted to in the first individual races of the championship, but he was able to really deliver today. So big ups. And one last thing about him. I know, Kirsch, you've liked to say that Emil, he's a, he kind of was a slow, a slow comer to the, the top level. But I looked at his fifth profile and Emil Everson has two results from World Juniors. He was fourth and first. So like Emil Everson didn't come from nowhere. Like when he was fourth in that sprint, it was Ustugov who won, Fosley was second. And uh, I think it was... Um, Gleb Retidic, who was third. So that's good company to be to get beaten by. And then they won the relay. So Emil, he's got the natural talent. And he was he maybe a first couple years senior. It took him a while, but really happy for him. Oh, for sure. And I, I, I mean, I, I can't add much more than Alex said. I mean, I, we... Emil knows how much we love him. Like, like we do, yeah. we, Alex and I. Like, Emil's just like every time I see Emil here in Norway, like we have a big smile. Like he's he's a to- he is. I agree. He's a total beauty. Uh, but just to expand on on what Alex was saying a little bit, but like his he's a really social guy, and that's why we're laughing. Just thinking back to some of the fun stories and when we see him. But he's a super social guy. And yeah, that means he likes to party once in a while uh, outside of like when it when it when it's okay in the spring, let's say, or after after the World Cup is over or something. But um, it's not just that, like he, he really gets a lot of energy and a kick from me. He has a lot of buddies that aren't skiers because he grew up in a really small place. He grew up in Marocker, which is a tiny place like uh, north of Trondheim. And like he really changed his whole life for this. And he's talked about it a lot, especially in the coronavirus pandemic, like in the pandemic right now. Like he's, he's really put it all on the line to, to be as professional as he can be. And it, it, was a, it was a huge effort for him to, to make those changes. And that that is what... I agree with what you're saying, Alex. I think that's the change that you saw him from being like good in some world cups to now that relay, that 10 K he did in the relay. And and now the 50 K, um, even though he crossed the finish line second and, and he probably would have been third if Bolshinov did. I'm not sure actually though. He's got such a huge, oh, he's coming fast. Yeah, he, he was, was coming, coming fast. fast. He was coming fast. I think he would have been second actually, no matter what. And, and you saw how thrilled he was at the finish line. Like he was just like on cloud nine. He's like, I I've been wanting this for so long. Like winning the silver medal is, is like gold for me. Like this is the race I wanted. I can't believe I was able to put it together because he's had near misses. And, and then in the end, uh, it was a complete disaster and the guys go the, at least for right now as a world, world championship gold medal. So, um, yeah. no, but Alex, like go, go in a little bit more. Cause we were talking a little bit off, off tape too. Like I agree with you. So you have, you have like Bolshinov. He, he leads over the hill and he knows, like, I agree with you. He, he studied those races. He knew exactly what Claybo was going to do. Like we were talking about, like, we're both Canadians. So we'll use a hockey analogy, like a goalie that studies a centerman that always goes blocker side. If he's going to deke you out, like he always goes to the blocker side and then it's go- the gold medal or Stanley cup final. And it's a penalty shot late in the third period. And you're up against this guy and you're like, I'm just going to take the chance that he's going to go blocker side like every other time. And then he goes blocker side and you save the, you save the puck. Bolshinov coming down that hill took a decision and he's like, Klebo always goes wide to take as much speed as you possibly can. I'm just going to go completely out of my line because Bolshinov's not even close to as good a descender as Klebo. So when you see him coming down the last hill, like he's not in the position he should be to, to stay wide like that. Like he drifts like majorly yeah. wide. Mm-hmm. He drifts, yeah. way, drifts <laughs> way, he drifts way off his line, but he drifts way off his line too. Like Alex said, close the door on Claybo if Claybo goes wide. And it just so happened Claybo went wide. And yeah, I, I'm also in agreement. I don't know how they stayed on their feet, but the, the crazy thing is, is like, I've seen that replay like a thousand times now. I mean, like Norway, it's just blowing up as you can possibly imagine. Yeah, but, yeah. but like coming into the corridors, like, whoever is first coming into the finishing corridors has the right to choose their lane. Now, yeah. the, now the crazy thing is, is like what counts as the start of the corridor is at the tip of your ski or is it your boot? Because like at that first pink, like um, the, the, the bristles, the pink bristles in the snow, the first ones that, that mark kind of like, this is now the finishing corridor. Dude, like Claybo was coming with so much speed yeah. that it's actually yeah. kind of hard to differentiate who 
was actually first. Klebo was, Bolshinov was first down the hill, first around the corner. But right when those bristles start, if you go on ski tips, Bolshinov's first. But, but, but like barely, by like, by nothing. And if you're going to go by boots, Klebo's first. Well, it seems like by default you would go by boot since that's what they do for the finish. Yeah, I know, but it's all happening so fast. So I don't know, like, so, so it was a really difficult decision. Uh, it, it, like I, I couldn't imagine being in the in the uh, jury room because like what a nightmare and the way like I mean I know I like to harp on fist and I'm sorry fist but sorry not sorry like if you have if you have a close finish like that do not give a guy a world champion no fit. don't send him through the whole mix zone talking to everybody and everyone's like wow is this the biggest win of your career and he's like this is the biggest win of my career is something I've dreamt about my whole life. Uh, every skier, every skier wants to be a complete skier. Every skier wants to be an all-arounder. If they say they don't, they're lying. Like that's you want to be to be able to compete in everything because that's that's what Petr Nortug could do. That like the biggest stars of the sport could do both, and there's not many, dude. There's not many. Ta Torana Hetland, our old coach, he would always talk about like flex on like that. That like to win a distance skate skate race, a distance classic race, a classic sprint and a skate sprint. Then you've kind of like arrived. Alex has done that. Uh, I never won a distance classic race. So I, I missed, I missed out on that. But the fact of the matter is that's what people wanted. And Claybo did do it. And then, and, and, and then, then there's like, wait, hold the phone. There's a protest in, of course, there's going to be a pro. Of course there's going to be a protest. Like yeah. poles are snapping. People are pissed. And then, and then all of a sudden he's out, he gets disqualified and then we're looking at the tape over and over and over. And it's like the problem with skiing, I think Alex, I want you to expand on this. It's like, we have rules, but it's just so loose. And then there's this like overreaching thing. It's like Norwegians get away with everything always. And that is, that is like, at least that's what we feel like as Canadians, like, Oh, they're never going to disqualify like the biggest name in sport. Are they really like Norway is just so important for skiing. And it was like, kind of like a borderline call. And then it's like, Oh my God, they did it. And then, of course, there's going to be a shitstorm after they do that. And then when I dig right down into it, it's like Bolshinov did the move I would have done. I think he did the move Alex would have done, which is like close the door on the fastest sprinter in the world. Like it's like if you want to take if you want to win and you know you're first out of that corner, it's it's a decision you can make. It's dirt. It's a bit not dirty, but it's it's borderline. But but it's it's within the rules. Sadly, yeah. sadly. But then the question becomes also in the rules, there's all this whole thing with obstruction and it's just so loose because like, did Bolshinov obstruct Klebo? Yeah, hundred percent. He did. He swung way off his line for one reason only, not because it's faster. He swung off his line to impede Klebo, but also yeah. Klebo went wide to a place. There was no room for him. And that's what makes the thing crazy. What do you think, Harv? No, no, it's, it's a, it's a really tricky, tricky call there. I mean, it's, to me, it's a lot like what happened in the relay uh, finale in the World Cup in Lati between Johnny Mackey and, and Bolshunov. Like, Bolshunov got kind of the, the door closed on him basically the exact same way. Like, Mackey was just, he could feel Bolshunov was coming to his, like, to his right, to his outside. So he just slowly drifted to the right, picked the furthest right lane, and then Bolshunov had nowhere to ski, and then he got pissed. But, like, it's within, somewhat within the rules to, like, pick your lane in the finish and uh, like you say the bristle like start the little pink or red bristle starts right when where uh Klebo is trying to, to go around him so yeah it's it's a it's a really it's really on the limit but i think one of one of the the, the issue there with rule uh, with fists and their rules is that they change every couple of years they kind of put in a new rule exactly. and that rule doesn't apply anymore so then at one point it's also hard for the athletes to know like what's right and what's not right to do. And so it's like, there's a lot going on there, but, but I think Boshunov, man, he, he drifted wide. He wanted the outside lane, knowing that Claybo most likely was going to shoot wide to generate more speed out of the, out of the corner. And maybe you never know, but I know like before any race, I would try to pre-ski the finish before the start to kind of decide what lane I thought would be the fastest in the finish. I don't know, maybe Bolshunov thought the, the furthest right track was a bit more icy, a bit more faster. Maybe coaches told him that on, on in the last lap too. So there's that too. But uh, man, it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a really limited decision. But like you said, man, I'm I'm not like the biggest, biggest fan or supporter or whatever or fizz, but but I, I'm 
kind of glad that even though it's the biggest name in cross country skiing, they still had the the balls to to, dis, to disqualify the guy. Um, so I, there, there's that. Like I think that that's a positive. But no, uh, yeah, but yeah, it it just, it'll like, be interesting to see if, if Norway appeals and and what is the outcome of of that eventual appeal. Yeah, and because the other thing too, like with like we're going in on this because like you're absolutely right. Like the rules are just like kind of they 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 imply they like. This seems to implement them at will. Like so, so go back and watch the team sprint from 2017 when Emil Everson not just oh. closes not just closes the door, but looks over his shoulder, yeah. sees Evo Niskanen coming. It's like Evo Niskanen is going to win the team sprint, and what does Emil do? He doesn't close the door. He straight up cuts him off. He straight yeah. up impedes him. But now go into the results list, and Norway's on the results list. Finland's on the results list. No one gets disqualified for that, which is like. A blatant, blatant. Emily Brzezina is blatantly breaking the rules, like blatantly yeah. in, in that in that instance. And then the Johnny Mackey situation again. Johnny Mackey drifts a little too wide, like we said, but but closes the door on Bolshinov. And remember, Russia got disqualified for that relay, not because, not for anything other than the fact that he's turned into Zorro and started waving his pole like you're seeing, <laughs> like you know what I mean. And then in the finish yeah. line, like his binding broke and accidentally like just leveled johnny mackey like it's it just it's it, it just kind of like it's not a discussion of a yellow card it's not a discussion of it's just like you're done and it, neither of the athletes have a yellow card coming into that race and i'm not saying it was a yellow card offense I, i'm not totally sure it was but the, i what i do want to say is like as an athlete like when you make decisions like that that are borderline like when bolshenov makes the decision, that tactical decision to go like, I'm going to go way off my line and go all the way wide because I'm pretty sure Claybo's behind me and he's going to try and slingshot wide like he's done all championship. And I'm going to try and pinch that. I'm going to try and take that position because I'm going first down the hill. That 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 was the decision he took. And, and that was a decision probably, Alex, you would have taken. I would have taken it too, yeah. probably. Yeah. So, so, so but, the, but the fact of the matter is when you take those decisions, you know the risk you're taking because you're, you're, you're going mock Schnell down that hill. You're going 60 plus yeah, yeah. K an hour down that hill. And you know Claybo's coming right up the crack of your ass like <laughs> fast. And, and like when you start pulling wide, like when you pull off your lane like Bolshinov did so hard going so fast, there's a huge risk your equipment's going to just disintegrate because like oh, yeah. it's physics. It's physics. Like two bodies coming together, colliding oh, yeah. in, at high speed. You're either going to fall, break your, break your pole, or you're going to freak him out. You're going to play a game of chicken and Claybo stands up completely and goes like, Oh, there's no room and has to come around. And then, and then maybe Bolshinov wins the cross of the finish line first and wins the world championship. So it, it, you know, it was a risky, risky, risky move for Bolshinov. And in the end he gets his eighth or ninth, world championship silver out of it like i, I just feel like man oh man it it, it 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 was it was just such a bummer of a way to finish the worlds because it's like it was unnecessary like like yeah. claybo you know tonight is like thinking back it's like why didn't i just go inside and just like undress bolshenov like i've done every single time in my entire career and and you know and bolshenov's like man why did I like, I know I closed the door and that's what I was planning to do, but like, man, oh man, I really played it fast and loose. And that came out of it with like a busted pole and then another silver medal that he wouldn't even put it around his, his, like his neck. He's so pissed. He doesn't want silver anymore. He's done with that. And the, and then the, and then Emil's just, just like thrilled to get like any medal. And then, and then in the end, the guy's the world championship, world champion. It's just the weirdest, it's just the weirdest way to end a world championships. I think. Yeah. And then, no, I agree. And then it's not done. They have 48 hours to, um, to like lob an appeal in. So, but, but it, it's looking likely. And, but the funny thing is with the appeals too, is it really now it starts to determine on the athlete. So, so in Norway, like Norway is going to win the world championship, no matter who, who, who gets the gold medal, like Emma Leverson right now is the world champion. And so like it's for Norway, it really doesn't matter, but for Claybo, it matters. And, and in these appeals, how it works is like, there will be a discussion with the Federation with Claybo. Like, do you want to make an appeal? Like, is this something you want to do? And who knows? Like if, if but if Claybo says like, yeah, you know what? I is my, like we were talking about before we were recording, you're in, you're in elite company. When you win four gold medals at a championship, there is not many people that have done that. And Claybo winning the 50 K world championship gold medal is like I said, the biggest race of his career or the second biggest, if you want to put the Olympic sprint in there. Cause there was so much pressure on him for the Olympic gold in the sprint. So, 
so there's that but like i remember like my wife in 2010 um she she lost well she was they told her and it was on the board and right in the stadium third place kristen stormer fourth place justina kualchuk um same thing 10 minutes like or five ten minutes like she finally won an individual uh medal at the olympics she was crying celebrating like it was awesome then then the board changed then then like no one said anything she's like through her interviews the board changed oh justina kualchuk comes third and Kristen comes fourth and then like of course that's a brutal way to, to be fourth but the craziest thing about that with the appeals thing is like it turns out that justina kualchuk started skating like way before she was supposed to when she was transferring uh when, before the exchange like when you go from classic to skate and that can be a bit confusing, eh, Harv? Like, you know how some stadiums are set up. But yeah, like, no, it's, it's, yeah, and especially, ch like, championship stadiums, too. Like, they're going to, yeah. the, the final curve is always so wide, and they try to make it, like, spectator-friendly yeah, and all. And exactly. It, it kind of opens the door to those, like, there's more play, more room to pass, and you want yeah. that because you don't want the athletes to be stuck yeah. uh, behind somebody at a championship, but it also opens the door to... So yeah, more more passing, which yeah, means so, more more risk of, of collision. Yeah. So, but like, but Justina in the in that pursuit race in 2010, Justina Kualchuk starts skating way before it's allowed when you're when you're finishing the classic leg to go into skate. It's fully illegal. Like you can't skate there. But they asked Kristen, the Federation, the Region Federation, asked like, "Do you want to put an appeal?" And Kristen had gone into the jury room, seen the the finish line photo, and realized like, "No, I lost that with the world's worst lunge." Like, God. Uh, well there's a lot of bad lunges out there but that was a bad one and yeah. and like she's like i i lost lunch she's like no i i came fourth in the race it wouldn't feel right to to appeal my way to a bronze medal but even though justina kualchuk skied for probably like 100 meters skating in a classic race it's like you can't do that you you even yeah. though you're coming into the exchange zone uh, to change to change from class but but so they asked Kristen, and if Kristen had said like yeah you know what that point zero zero or like that three centimeters I lost by, she probably gained that three centimeters by skating through where everyone else was classicking. Uh, you know, she, she may, maybe she would have won that, but, but Kristen was like, no, you know what? Like I was fourth. And so who knows what Claybo's going to, going to think tomorrow when he re replays that thousands of times with the coaches and, and uh, his, his support network, if he'll just be like, you know what? I know that was a beautiful race for me. I took a risk. It didn't work. I went somewhere where there was no space um this is just going to be huge motivation and in in two years in the 2023 world championships in the 58 classic i'm just going to win hands down and it's going to be a beautiful thing like it, it's it's hard to know it, it's it's really hard to know yeah no it's, it's hard to know one thing for sure is it's going to be the next two days are going to be interesting because a lot of a lot of ink will be written about uh about those uh those two guys that's for sure these oh, are the yeah. two biggest yeah. dudes. These are the biggest names in skiing. Can you believe oh, yeah. the championship ends? Like, think about this. The sprint, you had Bolshinov in the final. He just he was parked. He just wasn't good enough. Yeah. But then in the relay, yeah, Bolshinov, those two guys. Bolshinov, yeah. yeah, Bolshinov waits. Like, he doesn't take the risk. He, like, he, he doesn't ski with the best tactics, I thought, to to win and gets undressed by, by Claybo. And then the last race of the championship, the crown jewel of every championship, the 50K, who's left at the end? Because Emma Leverson was not in yeah. that in that fight there was some distance it's uh it's claybo bolshinov again and it just turns into like the biggest shit show and then yeah i don't know it's uh it's good for the sport in one way in, in the sense that it makes it m m people are talking about it and it's the heavy hitters it's it's the it's the biggest names in skiing that are going toe to toe and um but i, I just feel bad for for claybo because like honestly claybo has never skied a, a more beautiful distance race in his whole life and he crossed the finish line first but yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't have a better, I didn't have a close enough angle to see those stupid bristles. Like, I, I, and again, I don't know where you're measuring it from. You're measuring it from the ski tips. Bolshinov has, has the, has the right. If you're measuring it from the boots, I think Claybo had, cause he has, he was coming with way more speed. I was watching while Devin was talking, like, I only see from the front. I don't see any like profile, like, images. I know. So it's so hard to, cause they're moving so fast. It's hard to know. Like, cause I mean, you're counting on like a, almost like a millimeter there like the difference yeah, and that's is like why it's a call so marginal yeah that's why it's yeah. such a hard call you know what i mean yeah i think yeah. i think both dudes i think both dudes played fast and loose and both got yeah. burned one yeah. got his pole one broke his one got his pole broken and the other one got disqualified from the big yeah. like yeah like no yeah, yeah. nobody wins with this nobody wins with this these decisions i think it's i actually 
think it's a little bit a bummer for the sport because I personally I want a definitive answer after 50k. You know, I want it the best performance to you know, there are lots of different performances over 50k, right? But this dude happened to be the well, Claybo seemed to be the apparent winner initially, right? So my my question is like if you guys had a, a decision-making role in how to maybe make a maybe it's not sprints but maybe for a 50k how to make it a little bit cleaner so this doesn't happen again and maybe it's not possible you know what sort of rule how do you modify it to make it so like look you yeah no you but quote, I, I don't know like drift. i can try and take that before hard ways and it's just so hard it, it's just so hard to know like how you how you make a rule in that situation like i I, I think what's hard is like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, I'll let Alex take that one. I, I'm struggling. But just to just to correct you a little bit, uh, um, Jason, like it is horrible for the sport that that champions are being DQ'd and there's all this uncertainty. Like that is not good for the sport. I'm just what right, I right, what right. my 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 point was. It, it's at least fun that in this championship and over the last couple of years, like you have these two 24 year olds that are battling it out that are the best skiers in the world. For sure. And, and at these world championships, it's come down. We've had some just iconic finishes, the four by 10 K relay, uh, Claybo winning the sprint in, in and then the 50 K and, and Bolshinov and Claybo were involved in both. That's all I meant. But, but how the whole thing played out today with, uh, first giving Claybo a world champion bib, putting him through like all the interviews mm. and then taking it away and then leaving for an hour. And then like the whole, it, it's a mess. And then, and then Bolshinov rightly so is pissed. And he, he's, he's recorded like in a, in an interview with Norwegian media saying like, I think Claybo or I should get the gold medal, not Emily Everson. Like this is stupid. And it's like, well, the problem was, is like he broke a pole and Emily Everson is the next guy across the line. So if, if Claybo gets DQ'd, then Emma Leverson is the next person across the line, even though it is a little bit like that Australian <laughs> speed skater. Short yeah. But but the fact of the matter is, like, you can't do it any other way. You can't give Bolshinov the gold medal because he finished behind Everson, sadly. Yeah. Because and, and that's what makes this whole thing so shitty. It's like we never get to see who the, who the best was in that last 150 yeah. meters. I think there's a lot different, a lot of different things in in that. Like first, like Bolshinov saying it should be like him or Claybo getting the gold, like that's a precedent, like putting a guy, like relegating a guy behind for something no, or like a thing that he's never been involved in. Yeah, exactly. For, like happening. that's a precedent. Like you cannot, you cannot do that. Like ML, it's either ML or Claybo. Like, yeah, cause, exactly. cause things like yeah. that, like unfortunate things like that have happened. Like so many times, like people get crashing in the final corner because of somebody and losing a medal. Like that's happened yeah, so many exactly. times. Totally. The, and the thing is, like, if you're in, like, a, a classic track and you're switching lane, the rule is pretty clear. Like, your your tail has to have cleared the tip, like, the front of the ski of the person that you're about to pass. Like, that's fairly clear. Skating, it's kind of the same. But now they're in a corner and there's no – they're, like, in skating tracks but cornering. And, like, you can – like – um, Bolshunov's argument, like, I think you can defend it. Like, yeah, he's drifting to the right, but Claybo's done that all championship. And the reason is like, it's faster. Like we, I mean, the Norwegian team works with GPS and we like the Canadian team, like we did that in 2012 and 2013. We have that data. We know it's like Lenny did that a bunch. And like, it was like data-based, like we had like evidence that it was yeah, like, you hold your speed more. Yeah, it's you hold faster. Speed you generate some speed out of the corner rather than going for what you think is like the shortest line to the finish. It is the shortest line to the finish, but the fastest way to get to that finish is actually taking a bit of a wider line, uh -huh. especially outside of the corner to generate more speed. So exactly. like Boshinov can back his like drifting by saying like, it's faster is the fastest way to get to the finish line. Claybo did that all championship and he's been doing that for like a long time. It is faster. So he drifted, but it's it, like you can def I'm not saying that's that's exactly what he was why he was doing it. He was probably doing it to close the door, but you can argue that you're also doing it to generate more speed. So like I like I could go in that jury room and argue a lot for like Boshunov's case and like Clay Bowman, you're coming from behind and you know like you see he's drifting. Like you see Boshunov is drifting. So at that moment you have to make the decision to like, okay. 
change from plan A to plan B. I'm not going to go outside to the right of them. I'm going to pass them on the inside. Maybe I, I'm, I'm going to lose a bit of speed, but like you got to trust that you're faster. So I think what's really interesting, what would be interesting is if Klebo does like put in an appeal, like puts like tells the, the Federation, like gives them the green light, to put in the appeal. And then that decision, the, the final decision, I think that that's what's going to be the most interesting. But I think, I think the decision would stand because, man, Bolshunov's in the front and he has he has the right to to drift and he can defend the fact that maybe it's not just drifting. He's just trying to generate the most speed to come to that finishing line first. Yeah, and the other thing that's t- tough too, like you just mentioned, Harv, is like, dude, had 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 Klebo seen that Bolshunov was drifting way off his line and adjusted to go inside, Bolshunov at that point is is like, planning on closing the door to somebody. So he's, he's losing speed there. And I think Claybo yeah. actually could have got a serious jump on Bolshinov as he's pulled off his line completely. And I don't even think he would have lost speed had he adjusted at that critical moment. And I think it would actually just looked really funny because it would have been like yeah. Emil and Claybo in like, like coming post- inside, c- coming inside. And then Bolshinov going like way out into the rhubarb. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah. Up? yeah. Yeah, yeah, so so, yeah. so like so had had Claybo been able to make that split second decision, I think it actually would have looked hilarious in, in the replays. Because like you see a Russian yeah. athlete like just going like way, what are you doing over there? Yeah, um, but it's, yeah. but instead, but instead they both took decisions that were high risk, high reward decisions. And the the sad thing is no one's happy. Like no. No, no, those two guys, the two guys that took the high risk, high reward decision get left super disappointed. <laughs> and Emily was in that just like just took took a solid line. It, it was it wasn't a, like the line that that Everson took. You saw the speed he got out of that corner too. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't it wasn't horrible? I would say he took a classic line. Yeah, like like not right at the apex, a little wider than the apex, of course. Mm-hmm. But 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 like he took a, a fairly classic line through through a through a corner and, and is rewarded with with the gold medal and like well yeah. deserved, well deserved, <laughs> Emily Everson because it was a silver or gold. And it was a beautiful race by Emily Everson, but I agree it'll be interesting to follow follow this through the through the next week. And are we going to see Claybo reinstated? And if we do, you know they're going to pull different angles and they're going to make it all like because you can't at this point. Then it's not just like Kramer in the in the jury room and like uh, <laughs> like Birvik in the jury room, like just talking like a bunch of coaches, like going like look at that. Like if, if you if you're gonna go to the next level of appeals, it's not Pierre and and a bunch of coaches from either side. Yeah, I even saw old Yuri in the jury room today on the picture. Really? Like, can you believe old Yuri's still working for Russia? He's still like, kicking. It's still yeah, kicking. Yeah. Eh? And in the Probably jury room. Guy. And in the jury room. So so, but the fact of the matter is, like the next step, it, it just you you start taking it away from like uh, like ski coaches that are obviously incredibly biased and and heated. Yeah. And, and it starts to become more objective. So, and, and you got to hope that they have different, some different angles. Like you're saying, Alex, that, that, that first, that those first bristles that, that signify the corridor, hopefully there's a different angle that we're not seeing that you can actually see and like try and slow-mo it. Like who is the first to the bristles? And if but it again, shows like, but oh. that bristle, is it a bristle indicating that the classic track starts? I think so, the corridor, the corridor bristles, isn't that the corridor? It's the it's like the track. The corridor bristle, I think, is further down the stretch. Like I don't think it's the actual corridor yet. It's just like the well, indication then, of the classic okay. track starts, and then, well, then the corridor is. Well, if in that's a, not the corridor, no. But if that's meters. not the but if that but if that's not the corridor, then then Claybo is in the right because then you can well, swing all around. He's coming too close. He, he's going he's in a too place close. where there's no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's coming to know. a place where the yeah. yeah, that's true. It's true, but by the rules, you have yeah. to pick a lane at the corridor. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, think that yeah. I think that I think that signifies the corridor because I think those bristles are across like horizontally. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know th- because it, because if it is if it is further if it is closer to the finish line, then like then I think it's actually kind of harder. Even even though he he's going where there's no room, that that's that's yeah. the problem. Then because there's yeah. no room. And no, no, but dude, you should see the corridor bristles are blue. The corridor bristles. Okay. I'm watching it. Just, okay. Like the corridor bristles are blue. And that yeah. red bristle is just to indicate that it's sort of the end of like this, like the cornering the zone, zone or the skating yeah, yeah. zone. And this is classic from now on. So you okay. can't skate well, anymore. Then, then, like, then it's, like, this thing. Then it, then it, yeah, then it's but, going to be tough. Then it's going to be a really challenging decision because yeah. like you have to pick your lane. The first person to the corridor gets the lane. That That's yeah. the rule we've, that's the rule we've grown up with. Yeah. The problem is, is they both came in to the start of the classic tracks 
too tight, but yeah. the, you have to pick your corridor. The first person to the corridor gets dibs. And yeah. if the corridor is the blue bristles, like you're saying, by that point, Bolshinov's busted his pull and he's, and he's yeah. in third. So then no, Claybo no. has it. So it's like, but Clay, yeah, but, but then the argument is like that Claybo came, like moved, yeah, 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 came to moved. a spot where there was no space and he impeded. And that's true. And that's true. And that's true. And that is true. That's what happened. Yeah. But then the question Man, could be, yeah. maybe, maybe the question could be for Norway that they're saying like, yeah, okay, well then give him a yellow card then. Yeah, like, no, you, that's very you true. I mean? yeah. like, like, so maybe I'm just, you know. Yeah, we're it, just talking here. We're just talking, yeah, but it's, yeah, yeah. that's yeah, why, I'm just talking that's, why total think, shit. that's why I think it's going to be extremely interesting if, if they do, if Claybo decides to go move forward and like put in that appeal. Yeah. Be, yeah. yeah, it's going to be, yeah. it's gonna, and like, I'll tell you right now, it's not going to make it easier for me to study for my physiology exam. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. coming, uh, coming pretty fast and yeah, loose yeah. here. Yeah. So, yeah. You see, maybe you should have studied law, Devin. You guys are breaking this down like two lawyers. What kind of law are you, are you going to practice, Dev, uh, Alex? Uh, corporate law, corporate commercial. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm doing uh, right now. No, that's what I've been Al doing. I worked on that a bit this morning, a bit yesterday afternoon. It's uh, yeah, busy. There were no, there were very few f bombs. I was ready for like. Is the podcast done now? Because there, there was something I really wanted to. I don't know if you guys talked about. I don't know if there was a debrief about the thirty k, but I think it's, no, it's. It's only done until it's over. It's not over yet. Go for it. <laughs> if we're if we closed if the if we agree that the discussion on the fifth men's fifty k is is closed for now, like I just want to like to me the fact that. It was Sadie Bjornsson's last race of her career yesterday. Like I read that on, on her Instagram before before the start. Like I just want to say like how impressive I think her career was said uh, was 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 held. Like how, how she carried her career. Uh, she was kind of I think in the shadow of some huge names of, of the sports for US. First Keegan Randall, then then Jesse came came along. But uh, I think Sadie was was an amazing skier. She had the yellow bib. I think was she the first american woman to wear the yellow bib yeah like, she i'm was. not sure of that she was i think no, she, she was, was. In, in, she was in kusumo and and sadie like i really enjoyed the the time we spent i spent with sadie and and all those those american girls but sadie like especially like i've always thought she was like a you know like a quiet confident person like she doesn't need to be like loud and like you and i are kirsch like i think yeah. we're co confident in our own way but she's like a really like strong woman, like confident woman, but in a quiet way. And she, you know, this year she decided to, 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 to train and, and have the season like that she decided and, and, you know, she had a great championship. So hats, hats off to her. And, and I really wish her all the best for, uh, for the future. Like, I think she, uh, is she doing a master or like something? No, CPA, in, in CPA, CPA, like yeah, your, yeah. Yeah. My yeah, sister, like sister. Yeah. I mean, those are hard exams and she's, uh, so yeah, I'm just just wanted to have a couple couple lines about that because wearing the yellow bib, man, in our sport, like I've never done it, you've never no, done I've never it, done but it. No. like it's it's like wearing the yellow jersey at the Tour de France. Of course, winning, like having the first race of the season with the yellow bib on your shoulder, that's that's huge. But wearing it, like just that, man, it's 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 huge. And and she was able to do that, and and just the way she was as a person, especially like I'm, yeah, I'm just really happy that uh, she was able to. To, to be that way and I yeah was just always fun to, to hang out and and talk with Sadie so uh, yeah. I agree Sadie's uh, Sadie's also a total beauty and she'll be sorely yeah. missed and but but maybe not sorely missed so much as like um her legacy will live on because she is such a great person and um she's she's really touched a lot of people not just not just the Americans but like Alex and I are reminiscing we've had we've had great times with the Americans like you said and a lot of people and she's uh She's a wonderful person. We're wishing her all the best. No question. I, I echo that, Ken, Alex. Thanks for your time. Boy, deep dive into 10 meters. Yeah, I do. Trust dude. me, as soon as that happened, boy, I'm, I, you know, I was very grateful when you said Alex was coming on. Who did I say? Oh, I was like, oh, I'll text Musgrave and see if he can come on. He's like, dude, Alex is in. I'm like, oh, thank God. The God. Prince, man. Do we want the Prince to come back on this thing? We don't want it. Like, Muzzy, we love Muzzy. Who's the king? You know, it, it, it goes back and forth because, like, I think Guy Lafleur probably had, like, maybe he wasn't the king. I think he might have been, like, maybe a prince as well. But there's no question Maurice Richard was the king oh, of yeah. Quebec. Maurice yeah. Richard was the king of <laughs> Quebec. <laughs> and uh, Jean Beliveau, Jean Beliveau yeah. is also a king of Quebec. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Mario Lemieux, man. Mario Lemieux. Yeah, dude. Mario Lemieux. Okay, I know Lemieux. Who are the other dudes? Are they hockey players? God, Maurice oh, they're, Richard. They're a bit older, dude, but Maurice Richard is like, uh, dude, the guy was dude, just a straight up legend. Rocket the Richard, Rocket Richard, man. Where does your dad fall into the hierarchy there? I think he was probably like a duke, honestly. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, he was royalty, no question. Ken <laughs> Harvey was royalty. But, like, the thing was, is like, he had some great World Cup results in cross-country skiing and he was a professional cycler. Like he raced yeah. the Olympics in cycling and, and raced some of the biggest races in cycling, which was amazing for its time. But like Rocket Richard, Mario Lemieux, oh, yeah. 50K, World, 50K World Champion Alex Harvey, Celine Dion, which is the queen of Quebec. I mean, like, it's just, <laughs> like you just have to, you, you know, you, like, it's, not easy to, it's not easy to put rankings in this. It just isn't. No, but, no. but royal family, royal family, most certainly Pierre Harvey was in royal family. I just need to like figure out that one, that hierarchy. Alex, thank you. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. It was fun. That's it. This episode concludes our world championship coverage. As far as the podcast is concerned, we really appreciate you taking the time to listen. I also want to thank again, the folks who make all this happen over at Faster Skier, Rachel Bachman in Crested Butte, Ella Hall in France, Gavin Kench in Anchorage, Alaska, and Jerry Furseth up in Canada, and Matt Vojin in Williamstown, Mass. Thanks again. Thanks again.